please pray with me. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the lessons taught and learned during the season of Advent. Please speak to our hearts and let us hear what you have for us this morning. Still us, Lord, from the busyness of these days. Quiet our minds and hearts as we seek you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Have any of you ever seen an angel? When our son Jonathan was 18 months old, he was hospitalized with severe gastroenteritis, a double ear infection, and asthma. And as so often happens in these situations, his father was not at home. Do I see a nod of understanding from all you moms out there? Bill was in Maryland on his two-week Navy Reserve training duty, and we were living in Massachusetts at that time. When Jonathan was first brought into emergency, they wouldn't allow me into the examining room with him. It would be too traumatic to have his mother in there with him when they were examining him. Now, I don't know if they thought I would be traumatized or John would be traumatized, but... They proceeded to try to draw blood. I could hear his horse screaming through the closed doors. All of a sudden, a nurse flew out of the room covered in blood and told me to get in there quick. Four people were trying to hold him down, an 18-month-old child, while the technician tried to draw his blood. He had squirmed and had kicked the three vials of blood out of the technician's hand, and there was blood spattered everywhere. They released their hold on him, and he quickly jumped right into my arms, crying and gasping for breath. After I calmed him down, they very easily drew the needed blood. John was eventually admitted to the hospital, and I proceeded to make myself as comfortable as possible in a chair near his crib. Once he was pretty much settled down, in they came again to insert an IV into this horrible child who made such a mess down in emergency. After several attempts, they couldn't get the needle. They tried his hand, his arm, his foot. They just couldn't do it. So they sent for an OR nurse who was very skilled in inserting IVs. One try, and it was all done. Thank you, Jesus. Now, all of this time, I had been constantly praying, and I don't remember what I prayed or how I prayed, I just know that I prayed. At this point, it was very late, and John was finally sleeping peacefully, and I decided to try and get some sleep too. There was no way I was leaving that ba- my baby in that hospital without me there. 
And I do remember praying that God would send his angels to surround and protect this child of his and keep him safe. As I settled in, I looked at his crib with the oxygen tent covering it, and I sat bolt upright. I remember rubbing my eyes and looking again. Now, I do not know if it was a vision or if it was real. I do know I was not dreaming. There was an angel hovering over his crib. I was struck with awe, but I was not afraid. The angel did not look at me, but gazed intently at Jonathan. I have no recollection how long this lasted, but I do remember the feeling of peace that settled over me as I drifted off to sleep. There are several times in scripture where angels have appeared. Probably the best known story is the one that you just heard in the gospel lesson today. In my story, the angel gave me great comfort. The experience did not frighten me, but I was awestruck. Could this be some of what Mary was feeling when the angel Gabriel appeared to her? When I was in confirmation class in the Lutheran Church, we had to memorize the Ten Commandments, the creeds, and lots of other things, and their meanings. And I still, many, many, many years later, remember much of what I memorized. The meaning of the first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, from Luther's small catechism, is... We shall fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Our pastor went on to explain that fear is not a panicky, uh, frightening thing that would make you really scared, but that fear is reverence and awe. And I think this is a part of the fear that Mary experienced when she saw the angel. From what we read in Luke, I can almost hear her thinking, Wow, what's going on here? An angel? Gabriel? Here? Visiting me? His greeting caught her off guard. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Then he speaks to her as if he knew what she was thinking. Luke says she was perplexed. That is probably putting it mildly. How would you react if Gabriel appeared before you and said those words to you? I suspect your response might be just a little bit more than perplexed. But after her initial reaction, Mary seems to take it all in stride. She was waiting to hear what else he was going to say. Let's look at a moment at his next words. You have found favor with God. Have you ever thought about what that might mean? Do you think that it means that Mary led a completely perfect life 
and was without sin? That's what our Roman brothers and sisters believe, and I'm not going to go into all of that now. But as Anglican theologian Hugh Montefiore, who was the former bishop of Birmingham, England, was denying that Mary was born without sin in the Immaculate Conception, as he's denying this, he does say Christians rightly honor and venerate her as one of the great saints of God. God had signally honored her by choosing her to be the mother of Jesus. In preparation for this sermon, I've read a whole lot about Mary. Much as it is the same, and most of it, ignoring any of the emotions that Mary might have been feeling during this time. She was not sinless, and I suspect that she was like any other young woman between the ages of about 14 to 16 in her culture who was betrayed in preparing for her marriage. A lot of excitement and giggling with her friends. She probably spent time dreaming about her future, getting things ready, not unlike young women today who are engaged to be married. And then, after telling her that God had poured out his grace upon her, that she had found favor with God, Gabriel drops a bomb. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He goes on to talk about who Jesus will be, but her mind seems to be stuck on those words. You will conceive a son. Can't you just hear the response of a young girl in our culture, what her response might be to that statement? It would be shock. Total shock at first, and then, remember, this is a 14- to 16-year-old girl. She would probably post it on Facebook or Twitter, or both for all the world to see. And she might say something like, you aren't going to believe this. Some shining dude appeared out of nowhere and just told me that God favored me and that I'm going to have a baby. And get this, I have never slept with anyone. How can this be? How can this be? Well, here we are on the last Sunday of Advent. What have the past few weeks been like for you? You haven't experienced any frustrations, have you? Certainly no anger. No panic about how you're going to get everything done. And to be honest with you, I haven't even made my Christmas cookies yet, and I've forgotten all about the plum pudding I make every year. It's just not going to happen this year. And guys, I'm not just speaking to the women out there. How many of you are stressed about all you have to do at work before the end of the year? And dads? And grandfathers, what about all those 
things that you need to put together before Christmas Eve. And there always seems to be a screw or a nut or a bolt missing. And those directions? Directions? You mean there are directions? Sound familiar? Do you feel like you are favored of God? You are, you know. If God didn't favor you and love you with an overpowering love, he never would have sent that angel to Mary, and there wouldn't have been a baby Jesus who would grow up to suffer and die for you. He did it. God sent Jesus into the world for you, for me, and for all the people who have ever lived and all the people who will ever live because of his great and overreaching love that wants you to reach out and accept his love. The gift of life so that you may spend eternity with him. Do you know that if you were the only person on the face of the planet, God still would have sent Jesus to die for you? He loves you that much. Back to Mary and her response to Gabriel. How can this be since I am a virgin? Our Facebook poster wasn't too far from the mark on this. And Gabriel gently explains, not putting Mary down as if she were not too bright, but as a loving friend might explain what is about to happen in a way that will not engender fear or disbelief. I wonder what she thought when the angel told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her, that the child to be born would be holy and would be called the Son of God. I suspect that might have given her pause. But then she nodded in affirmation. Much of what I have read gives Mary's response as an example of perfect submission. And we know we should all submit to God, right? But as I have read this passage in about a dozen different versions, I have sensed something a little bit different. I think she responded with excitement and enthusiasm and willing obedience to what God was calling her to be a part of. And I actually came across a couple of commentators who agreed with me on this. I sense there may have been some excitement in her voice as she responded. And in today's vernacular, her response just might have been more like, Wow! All right. Let's get this show on the road. God, I'm in this with you. Mary also seemed to accept Gabriel's pronouncement of her cousin's pregnancy with equal excitement, even though Elizabeth seemed to be beyond her childbearing years and was considered barren. It is almost as if the sentence, for nothing will be impossible with God, 
was meant more for us than it was for Mary. I do wonder if some of the details of of the conversations between Mary and Gabriel were left out of Luke's commentary. Or if Mary kept them to herself as she pondered his words after the angel left her. And what about telling her parents? What would you say if your newly engaged daughter came to you with that same news? Can you hear her as she goes to tell her parents? Umi, Abba, you won't believe what just happened to me. Scripture doesn't record their response, even though it does record Joseph's response to this news, but that's for another sermon. If we read a little further on from today's lesson in Luke, we see that soon after that, Mary hurried to some little town in the hill country of Judah to visit her country cousin, excuse me, visit her cousin Elizabeth. Can't you hear them sharing these, these exciting turn of events and maybe even wondering to each other just what all this means? What does it really mean? This story from Luke moves from how can this be to let it be done according to your word. There is a transformation in this passage. Mary went from a country girl to a wise young woman. From simple Mary to Mary, the mother of God. From questioning and denial to discipleship with joy. Mary's transformation moves us all from Advent to Christmas. And it moves us from those, excuse me, and it moves us from who we think we are to who God has called us to be. It is by God's grace that transformation took place in Mary's life. And it is by his grace that this transformation can take place in our own lives. Without his grace, it is impossible. With his unmerited favor, we must acknowledge the transformation that God does in our lives. God's grace, which we do not deserve, is his gift to each of us. This is not a small or easy journey that calls us from our comfortable perceptions of God to God in the stable manger. So tiny, so vulnerable, so helpless and dependent. Yet, this is Mary's story. Mary accepted God's offer of transformation. Being a young, simple girl into who God created her to be. And this offer of transformation is why he came. It is the promise of Christmas. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, 
We thank you for pouring out your grace on us as you poured your grace out on Mary. Our calls to serve you are different than Mary's call, but nonetheless, you have called us. As we respond in obedience to your call on our lives, lead us to follow you, to seek you at the rough-hewn manger in that stable so long ago. And Lord, transform us as you transform Mary to so fulfill the mission you have for each of us. Open our hearts as you opened Mary's and let us joyfully follow wherever you lead. In your holy and precious name, amen.